Hi, you're listening to another message from Sunny Hill Church. Our prayer is that these messages encourage, empower, edify, and equip you to live for Christ in 2023. Be blessed as you listen in. I am most definitely a firstborn in nature. I am an older sister to Zach, who will be getting up to speak a bit later. (laughs) And some people would say that I'm a tiny bit bossy. Still debating that one. Um, I always need a plan. I'm not great at the whole spontaneous thing. Tried it, not so great. Um, And to be honest, I'm a little bit of a goody two-shoes. I'm always a bit worried about what's going on, whether I'm doing the right thing, and people, what people think of me. And so you've heard the saying, opposites attract, right? Well, <laughs> my boyfriend Sim, on the other hand, is the complete opposite. <laughs> Give everyone a wave. Um, so he is a lot more chilled. He takes things at his own pace, he can say no no to things easily. He is just very relaxed. Um, And as you can imagine, differences in personality, you know, compatible, but sometimes difficult to get on board with. (laughs) So, as you can imagine, it's caused us to act differently in different situations and get to know each other in that way. Um, So, for example, almost two years ago now, Um, Not long after we started dating, so (laughs) a big challenge. Um, (laughs) Sim started at my school here at Magna. Um, We were in sick form together. And so to give a bit of context, Magna was extremely strict. Like when I arrived, it was boot camp style. Like silence in the corridors, lineups with pencil cases, isolation for getting a ruler. (laughs) Even on my first day, I got massively told off for having a black headband that was two centimeters too wide. Not sure really that's gonna distract my learning, but we move. Um, Now, in stroll Sim on his first day. Very relaxed, lounging on the tables, in no hurry whatsoever to get to lessons when the bell rang. Feel like that could have been common sense, but we move. Uh, always forgetting, sometimes on purpose, to wear a tie. Didn't go over well. (laughs) He was completely relaxed. So for those of you who don't know, Sim was homeschooled, so he didn't know the normal rules and (laughs) unspoken customs of school, I guess, um, that had been drilled into me, like, drilled in. Um, So while I was freaking out, worrying, like... You know, got to get there on time. Please, please wear a tie. I don't want to get told off. Please wear a tie. He was, yeah, he didn't, he didn't really notice, didn't bother. Um, he was just enjoying life, making friends, um, enjoying learning new things, um, getting on with the teachers and being present in the moment. And on reflection, I may have been a bit too caught up in the old Magna traditions, um, but whereas he was just being his authentic self. And it was really attractive to the others because he became very popular and quickly um, influenced the atmosphere of the hub of our sick form. So, from what we'll go on to see in the scriptures, like Sim and I, um, I think Mary and Martha were very different characters, very different personalities. 
And if I was to resonate with one of them, probably Martha, the older sister. Bit of a control freak. <laughs> so the first story we see Mary and Martha in is when Martha invites Jesus into their home for a meal in Luke 10, 38 to 42, which should come on the screen. Yeah, so we read that it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And the next one. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few, but few things are needed, or indeed only one, and Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So, as we see, while Mary sits at Jesus' feet to hear his teachings, Martha is getting distracted by trying to be a good host and finish the meal prep. We also see Martha getting a bit irritated with her sister not helping. Me as an older sister, kind of agree. Meal prepping for 15 people by yourself doesn't sound like a joke. <laughs> but as we read, Jesus does go to redirect Martha's priorities away from the practicalities and highlights that Mary is doing the most important thing at that moment. But interestingly, he doesn't actually rebuke her attitude or how she says her words. He doesn't say, listen here, don't you know I'm savior of the world, don't speak to me like that. He accepts Martha where she is and as she is and listens to her grumbles without batting an eyelid. And we have that kind of audience with Jesus too. He isn't offended when we come to him in the middle of our emotional upheaval. He doesn't mind if we come to him exactly how we're feeling, the messy emotions that we usually bring. And he loves us, he adores us and really longs to hear about everything that we want to say. So the next story we see the sisters in is a part of their witness of the miraculous resurrection of their brother Lazarus in John 11. Now, the sisters send messages to Jesus saying that the one you love, Lazarus, is sick. But he didn't leave straight away. He waited two days, and by which point Lazarus had died. Now, understandably, when Jesus arrives... Both of the sisters' initial responses of grief and hurt. They're hurt that Jesus didn't listen to them when they first called, that he didn't come straight away, that he didn't answer in the way that they wanted him to. But in John 11:27, Martha shows her faith despite this. And after a little misunderstanding, she boldly proclaims that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God, and that she really believes that God will grant anything he asks which came true later on. Lazarus miraculously was risen from the dead. So this shows that the faith that Martha had, um, despite her initial grief and hurt, um, really shone through. Now the final story they appear is a chapter later in John 12, um, when Jesus returns to visit his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Just before going into Jerusalem for the Passover meal. Now, this was the final year of his ministry, and just over a week before he um, 
uh, died on the cross. So it was obviously tensions were a bit high. So while Martha, again, was serving the meal, control freak, but no, um, we read in verse 3, Then Mary took a pint of expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, she may have been anointing him as king, like the prophets did in the Old Testament, or even in recent history, like we saw with King Charles, or as someone who was especially blessed by God, which was part of the Jewish tradition. Either way, in this moment, she wasn't worried. She wasn't worried about what people thought. She wasn't worried that it seemed like a crazy thing to do, all this expensive perfume. Um, she just was using her possessions as an overflow of her worship and her love and her gratitude at Jesus' feet. And even when one of the disciples openly criticized her and said she was wasting a load of money, we don't read about her getting upset. We don't read about her, you know, fighting back. But we see instead that Jesus fights the battle for her, telling them that she had really understood what was important in life. That not the practicalities that were the most important thing, but instead our extravagant worship and... Jesus says that she'll forever be remembered for this act, and we can see that as I'm speaking on it today. (laughs) So the most important thing here is focusing on our relationship with Jesus, worshipping him with everything we have, and not being afraid of criticisms that we'll receive from others for walking a different life. So, are you a Mary or a Martha? Well, there isn't really a correct answer. Neither one's better nor worse than the other. Martha had a real heart for hospitality, as shown through her constant serving, and faith and understanding beyond her social standings as a woman, whereas Mary had an unapologetic boldness to learn more about God, to gain wisdom and knowledge from her later-to-be saviour. So there's no hero or villain, so no need for some sibling rivalry. It's just two different approaches to life and people we can learn a lot from. So, what are my take-home points? So, I think that, one, they show us a a lot that we need to come to Jesus just as we are. Whatever your background, emotions, everything, just bring him everything. He wants to hear it. Number two is to not get bogged down by what we should be doing and the formalities of Christian life. He just wants to see your authentic self and that he just wants to spend time with you. And when we do this, don't be afraid of what other people think. Don't be afraid that you might be seen as weird in your workplace, in your schools, in your homes. Just don't think of other people's opinions. Focus on Jesus because he is the one true savior. That was amazing for me. Are you a Mary or a Martha? That's such a good word. Um, or are you a Simmer and Eve? Who knows? Um, next up, we've got a dude who I know very well. Um, I've, I've heard his preach. He's actually going to bring it. Uh, it's Benjamin Goldenberg. If you just welcome him as he comes on stage. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Hello. <laughs> um, uh, 
second. Okay, so as you probably figured out from Simeon telling you my name, I am Benjamin Goldenberg. Um, and I'm going to be talking about Matthew. Um, I'd just like to start with a prayer quickly. Um, Lord Jesus, I pray that um, what I say will go to the hearts of at least one person here. Because just even if it's just one person, it's worth it. Um, amen. <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to start off with a Bible verse, Matthew 9, verse 9, which says, um, as, Jesus passed as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. So, I find it quite interesting that Matthew just immediately just gets up and follows him without, he just does it without thinking. Like, if someone came up to me and said, follow me, like, say someone famous like uh, Ryan Reynolds. If Ryan Reynolds just randomly came up to me and he was just like, follow me, like, I probably wouldn't do it. Because, <laughs> like, if there's someone who... Tons of people love, tons of people hate. Though I'm pretty sure no one hates Ryan Reynolds. I don't know why. Just <laughs> never met someone yet. But um, so if if Ryan Reynolds just came up to me, I'd say no because like I'm not gonna give up everything for a person who I've only heard about. Like it, it's just it doesn't make sense. It, it yeah I just <laughs> so yeah I I like to think uh, so. I think that um, Matthew 9, verse 12, gives a bit of an idea why Matthew just gets up and goes with this person who he's only heard about. Uh, so it says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So I think the reason Matthew just got up to go with Jesus is because he understood that he was a sinner. He understood that he'd done things wrong and he needed to be forgiven. And he understood that Jesus was the only one who could do that. So he, he followed what he knew, but he also took, he, he took what he knew about himself and he took what he knew about Jesus to know that he needed to follow him. And he just got up without a second thought and left everything behind. Yeah, um, so that was probably my f first main point, really. Um, <laughs> my second one comes from Luke 5.27, which is of the same sort of story, um, where it says, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. So Matthew was a tax collector, and he was working for the Romans who were actually oppressing the Jews. So when he was working for the Romans, he was working against his own people. He was, he was like a double agent almost. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so when, so he'd become quite a divisive figure because he was working against 
his own people. Um, but when he rose to follow Jesus, Jesus gave him a new name, which is Levi, which means unity. So when he started to follow Jesus, Jesus literally pushed against the very part of his character, which was probably the worst part of his character. He was, he was saying he would pull people together instead of pushing them apart. And the interesting thing is that Matthew is called Matthew is called Levi in every single gospel except for one. <laughs> Can you guess which one? Matthew. Yeah, yeah, Matthew. <laughs> so there are multiple different reasons why Matthew might have just kept on referring to himself as Matthew. Like, it's just so many reasons. But I like to think it's because he was remembering who he was before, which was helping him remember the grace God had for him, helping him remember how much he had changed from before he was a Christian. So I think sometimes um, it can be quite difficult to, also it can sometimes be quite difficult to accept who you have recently become. <laughs> like, if, if you were completely changed, you'll always have some remnants of who you used to be. And I think Matthew might have been remembering a bit of that as well. Because he was, he was remembering that he isn't, he still isn't perfect. But he he was remembering how much he had changed. Like, sometimes as the youngest brother in my family, I've got a little sister, but as the youngest brother in my family, I can sometimes feel like the smallest, the weakest, the stupidest. And the truth is, it's true. Because, <laughs> because I am not going to be as smart as them. They've had much more time to learn. They, they are, have had much more time to grow. They actually go to the gym. <laughs> so, but I, I remember, but yeah, so sometimes I think of myself, I remember who, the, the worst parts about myself, I think of myself as my old self, as a Matthew. But I know that God is changing me and turning me into a Levi, making me better. <laughs> and, and I'm sure he's doing that for all of you too, because um, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who cares about. Um, <laughs> so really, my two main points um, are just follow Jesus. <laughs> if you know that you've done stuff wrong, if you know you're a sinner, then don't just accept it. Do something to change it. Follow Jesus and he will change you, make you better. Which sort of leads on to my next main point, which is Jesus can change you completely. 
but only if you accept him and ask him to change you. Because when it comes to miracles, God could just heal all the sick people in the world, but he wants us to, uh, he wants us to pray for them so that our faith can grow. He wants, it, it's, it's helping build our faith, helping build our Christianity, helping us grow in our relationship with God. So, yeah, if, if like, you have any bad habits and you know you have bad habits, <laughs> I'd like to challenge you to just ask God to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to finish with a prayer again. Um, dear Lord Jesus, I pray that everything that I've said will, will go to someone or everyone or, yeah, just someone. <laughs> and I pray that, I pray that if, I pray that you'll expose some of my bad habits <laughs> as well, because I'm sure I have some. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I pray that you'll, you'll help show what needs to change in us. Amen. That was brilliant. I love how, um, you know, and I, I, I mean this, like how we can have youth kind of calling us out as a church. I know it kind of sounds bad, but like, the fact that he has that kind of understanding already is crazy and so good. Um, next up, we've got an amazing girl. Um, she's got a really, really good word to bring, so just be encouraging. Back her all the way, it's Kira. Yeah. Hello. Um, I chose to talk about Mary Magdalene because I don't think her story is often talked about, and I wanted to discuss her significance with involving in Jesus' early ministry and how she became a female biblical role model, especially for Christian women today. Um, she accompanied Jesus on his travels and supported him and the 12 disciples financially and spiritually. And she was able to do this largely because of her higher social class and status, and she was quite wealthy. She witnessed firsthand Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, and she became the first evangelist by spreading the news of Jesus rising from the dead. And in the Bible, she's referred to as Magdalene, which comes from Magdala, which is a place in the city of Galilee where she was born. If you turn to Luke 8, verse 1 to 3, we are first introduced to Mary Magdalene by name. The scripture reads, After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This scripture reveals how Mary Magdalene, along with many other women who were accompanying Jesus, were supporting them with their wealth and money. This shows her generosity with her possessions and, at, and her generous attitude, which helped Jesus and the disciples. This would have strengthened her relationship with Jesus. 
Here, Mary serves as an encouragement to us as followers of Christ to be more generous with our money and to give to Christ and the church through tithing. This will strengthen our relationship with God as well. The more generous we are, the closer we will grow with God. In verse 2, we discover how Mary was healed of seven demons. This gives the impression that Jesus performed an amazing miracle on her. Such a miracle that not only gave her spiritual freedom, but also gave Mary Magdalene an incredible, powerful first-hand testimony of Jesus' miracle working. I believe that he gave her such a powerful testimony so that she could evangelize and spread the good news of God to unbelievers with a first-hand account of what he can do. This is just like how Jesus has given everyone their own personal testimony so that we can testify and evangelize to the unsaved, both strangers and loved ones. In John 20, verse 11 to 14, we read how Mary Magdalene has just visited Jesus' tomb on the third day and she's found it empty. The scripture reads that now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They had asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not recognize that it was Jesus. I find this verse particularly striking because I feel that it illustrates how, despite the fact that Jesus was stood right behind Mary, she could not see him for who he truly was. I feel like this can depict how we feel sometimes on our walk with Jesus. Even though we know he's always with us, always there, sometimes it doesn't really feel like it. And this passage serves as a reminder to me and to everyone else as Christians that even in the times when we don't feel like he's with us, God never leaves us, never forsakes us. In verse 16, we read that Jesus calls her by name, Mary, and instantly she recognizes him for who he truly is, her Rabboni, which means teacher, but I don't know if I tr- like said that correctly. <laughs> Reading this reminded me of the passage, Isaiah 43, verse 1, which reads, do not, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Only when Jesus claims us and calls us by name do we recognize him for who he really is, our loving Heavenly Father who has claimed us as his children. We are the children of God because he has called us by name. Further down in verse 17 of John 20, we see that Jesus commands Mary Magdalene to go instead to her brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Here Jesus gives Mary her mission, which is to spread the gospel and the groundbreaking news of Jesus rising from the dead. Jesus gave her her direct mission just for her, a clear purpose. And as followers of Christ, he has given us the same mission, to spread the good news to everyone around us. The very fact that Mary was the first person that Jesus appeared to after rising again has a huge significance, particularly for me. As a woman in Bible times, Mary Magdalene would have had little rights and been treated as a lower-class citizen because she was a woman. Jesus appearing to Mary allows God to make an important and striking statement that gender is irrelevant to Jesus' ministry, and both men and women have vital roles to play in God's mission. Although these roles differ and are specialized for everyone, every single one is important in God's plan because he has a plan and purpose for you. Um, 
Mary Magdalene is portrayed as a female biblical role model, particularly for modern-day Christian women to aspire to. Not, not many women are spoken of by name in the Bible, so the fact that she's named multiple times shows her significance. Furthermore, Mary Magdalene was the first eyewitness account of Jesus' reappearance, which reinforces how legitimate his resurrection was. This is because if Jesus was risen again, and if it was some sort of hoax or like a fake planned thing, a woman would not have been chosen to witness it first. They would have picked a man because of how society ran in those days. This provides strong proof of Jesus' resurrection being true, and it reinforces, reinforces the truth of the biblical accounts. To conclude, I have five key points we can learn from Mary Magdalene, her story. Number one, the importance of testimony. Like Mary Magdalene, God has given us our own powerful and personal testimony to allow us to evangelize and spread the good news to unbelievers. Number two, the importance of generosity and giving. Mary Magdalene used her wealth to support Jesus and the 12 disciples. This would strengthen her relationship with Jesus, and we can do the same thing. God encourages us to tithe and give to the church, providing support and growing relationship with him, which will give us a greater connection. Number three, Jesus called you by name. Not just the person sitting next to you, but you as well. Like it says in Isaiah 43 verse 1, we are his children who he loves unconditionally, and he is our heavenly father. Number four, our God-given purpose, to evangelize and spread the word of God to save the unbelievers so they can go to heaven with us. Just like Mary Magdalene was called to spread the news of the resurrection, we can do the same thing. And number five is my favorite point, which is <laughs> the, how significant it was that Jesus revealed himself to a woman first. Because not only does it provide greater proof of Jesus' resurrection, but it highlights the importance of roles for both men and women in his discipleship. That's so good, Kira. Amazing. I love it. It's just everyone, um, everyone has something they can do for the Lord. That was really, really so amazing. Um, can we just show our love for the guys who have preached so far? They've been so good. Uh, we've got one more, and I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, I'm going to invite Zach Mengel on stage. He's got something. It's going to, yeah, it's going to be so good. Hello, can you hear me? Woo! Okay, so today I'm going to start off my preach by uh, starting with a story about me. So I am going to... There we go. When I was younger, my grandparents uh, always used to take me and my cousin Jonathan, who's up at the back doing tech today. Give him a round of applause. They always used to take me and my cousin Jonathan out in a big double-decker pushchair. <laughs> now, the trouble they found when taking us out in this double-decker pushchair was who would go on the top and who would go on the bottom. <laughs> Here's why. When Jonathan was on the bottom, he would tend to decide to pull down on my hair and try and, you know, just give me a massive hug from underneath while ripping out my hair. <laughs> or he would decide to fiddle with the little buckle that held up the seat on top. And uh, when it came undone, have me flying on top of him. <laughs> so you'd think, oh, I know the solution. Let's just put Zach on the bottom and Jonathan on the top. You'd be wrong. <laughs> so when I was on the bottom, 
I used to tend to get my hands and put them on the wheels of the pushchair. And I used to just grab on and hold on to the wheels. And as they spun round and we're walking through the park, an uh, unspecting bit of dog poo would roll onto the wheel. <laughs> and then my hands would just, you know, be lathered <laughs> in a nice bit of dog poo. And I'd just leave them there. Now, my grandparents, although they loved us, uh, probably didn't enjoy all of the dog poo up my hands. <laughs> uh, however, they still used to take us out in that double-decker fish chair all the time. And they even loved spending time with us every time they took us out. So today, I'm going to be talking about Peter. And uh, Peter, what's he all about? Peter was known for being the leader of the 12 apostles. He led the early church in Acts. And he's known for denying Jesus three times. Uh, where I'm looking today in the passage in Acts... Peter was in Joppa, which is about 40 miles northwest of Jerusalem. So in Acts 10, verse 9 to 20, uh, if it says, About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance he saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as were reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Three men are looking for you, so get up, go downstairs, and do not hesitate, for I have sent them. In this passage, God is uh, giving Peter a vision while he's waiting for this food to be ready. And uh, Peter tells him that he's never eaten anything unclean or impure. At the time, uh, in Judaism, they weren't allowed to eat any four-footed animals that weren't clean or described as uh, pure But while Peter didn't fully understand this vision that God had given him, God was ultimately showing Peter that he had a plan. And his plan was to allow all Gentiles to come and serve and worship him. Uh, some context was that Judaism at the time they had to go through lots of rituals to become saved. So they had to be circumcised, they had to be baptized, and then they had to have an offering of a sacrifice to be classed as saved as such. So through this vision, God was telling Peter, 
that the rules and regulations, it might make you think that you need your act together to come before God, but he wants people to be saved first and fixed later. So you don't need to go to a hospital because you're healthy. You go to the hospital because you're sick. You go to the hospital because you're ill. Whereas what God was trying to show Peter was that his plan for Jesus to come and then this, uh, this ritual wasn't going to be needed anymore. That people could come to God however they were and he would save them. Now, if we look back at Peter's story and looking at the famous story at the end of the Gospels of Jesus and Peter, and Peter denies Jesus three times. So three is an interesting number. Uh, Jesus makes, uh, asks Peter, do you love me three times over after he denies him three times? And in my understanding, in the Old Testament, they didn't have a word for very in Hebrew. So when they would want to emphasize something, they would repeat the word over. So like they would say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God Almighty, because they wanted to emphasize how holy God was. Um, so Peter having to say this back to Jesus three times, having to reinstate his love for Jesus three times, is uh, showing us how much he is brought back into relationship with Jesus. Um, but God wants to do the same thing with us. He wants us to come to him and uh, reconcile with him. Where it says, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. To make us clean, we have to realize the error in our ways and come to Jesus and um, do you want to get math on keys? So God wants to make right with you today. Wherever you're at, whatever season you're going through, whether you're in the goods, the bads, or the worst, uh, just come. Bring your burdens to the cross because uh, God wants to spend some time with you today.